Eric and his leading, and I hope you do too. Uh, I, I uh, will say it again. I would much rather be face to face with you folks. And uh, it is such a pump for me to watch all those that are connecting. Uh, last week, it was, it was our, our good people, the whitest family that thrilled me last week. This week, it's, it's Shelly. Man, I would love to see you. But knowing you're in, I think it's New Jersey. I might be saying that wrong, but I think it's New Jersey. Uh, I love you and, and definitely miss seeing you. I'm so glad you got me excited that, that you're on and watching this today. Also, Jenny. Uh, all I know is Jenny from the cul-de-sac. I didn't hear much else. Uh, hey, just welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us as well. Um, I want to let you all know, I mentioned Myung last week. Just She was on my heart. She continues to be that way. Tuesday surgery just went really well. I talked to her the next day, and she is elated that uh, she was feeling pretty good. We are praying for her recovery, and so uh, please continue praying for Myung. Oh man, the list continues to grow with those who are concerned, of course, this pressing uh, detail of, and thinking about people in their work, people in their health, uh, and people in their loneliness. Uh, there's a lot of folks I know that just don't have a family. There are people with family and they would like some silence, I know, especially those young families, little kids. And I know Lindsay likes to get out and uh, uh, get the boys outside. That helps her. So we're praying for good weather uh, that families could get outside in their backyards and spend spend that time and that energy. Uh, the past few uh, weeks we have uh, been, uh, our, our focus has been on a new reality. Um, and that's the theme, underlying theme of that book of 1 Corinthians. And, and so, you know, if you've been with me, and, and I love to preach chapter by chapter, topic by topic that goes through the book, but this is, this is a, a really a brief uh, moment through 1 Corinthians, uh, breaking it down to four sermons. And what we're doing is focusing on the underlying topics or subjects that Paul deals with in the Corinthians. So uh, I know many of you have been reading. I did not leave you with uh, exactly what I'm going to be focused on this week, but uh, I'm actually dealing with chapters 8 through 14, 8 through 14, and that's a lot to read. Uh, first week we dealt with that subject of unity, and uh, that was in chapters 1 through 4, and, and how in this new reality in Jesus we have a unity. And what the Corinthians needed to hear is that unity is based upon the foundation of this gospel message that we have. It is about Jesus. It is about his death and his resurrection and what it means to us and that we are now united in him through his blood. Um, also, uh, last week we dealt with that sexual purity area. And uh, uh, the Corinthians needed to hear that because they were welcoming uh, some sexual immorality in amongst them. And that's not what we're called to. We are a holy people. And so they needed to hear, man, the expectation, the new reality for us is to live a life of, of, of uh, sexual purity. And, and the details are there. I do encourage you, if you want to go back and see those, because we're doing it this this way, you can go back in, in our YouTube and, and listen to, or be a part of past services, services and listen to messages. Uh, again, Hear Eric all you want. You can hear him over and over again in leading songs. So I just encourage you to go back to our YouTube page and you could, you could look for these. T 
Today, uh, I want to introduce that topic that's in those chapters 8 through 14. It's actually within the first three verses of chapter 8. So let me, let me just start there, uh, reading from what Paul uh, is directing their attention to. Uh, the first phrase is actually the topic uh, that he addresses. Several topics throughout those 8 through 14, but un the underlying subject throughout is that subject of love. Here's, uh, excuse me, here's, here's what he says. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. The key word, the, the, the focus is love. Uh, and you might see, I, I don't know whether they put up the title, but I, I, we're going to be talking about a love that is productive, a, a love that grows, a love that builds. And I believe that's the focus that, that Paul has and the message he has for the Corinthians in all these verses, or chapters, chapters 8 through 14. Now, um, definitely when we're talking about a new reality, our new reality in Jesus is that we are called to love. And we are called to a productive love, one that we just described, one that builds, one that grows, one that makes a difference uh, around us. And so uh, uh, to, to, to begin with, you know, I, I, because of all those chapters, I want to I put a spotlight on especially a couple of lessons that deal specifically what it is to have a, a productive love. And, and so the first kind of love I believe that Paul shows us is, is that the kind of love we ought to have is a sacrificial love. We are called to a love that is productive. Uh, or excuse me, that, is, that, that sacrifices. Uh, I'm so much used to the camera, I forget to look at my notes. We're called to have a love that sacrifices. Now, a sacrificial love, I, I think we can identify. Now, even not... You know, if, if you're in your, with your families in Matthew's lessons, he said, well, let's cut it right now and you discuss amongst yourselves. If we had the opportunity, I'd ask you that. Think, think for yourselves, what, what sacrificial, what evidence of sacrificial love have you seen? And, and we know Jesus, but, but have you seen a sacrificial love? If, if we go into our household and, and possibly you children that are gathered and, and teenagers, you know, have you seen a sacrificial love? You might come with an example of, say, like mom uh, in, in the family. Uh, in our own household, uh, mom prepares the meal. And, and then something I've noticed over the years, the, the last one, she prepares all this. And then the last one who is served has been mom, especially as our kids come and visit and we have a house full, I'll notice that, that we get our plates and we'll go through the kitchen and, and everybody will prepare their plate and go sit down. But it's still mom. I even hear the kids saying, hey, mom, sit down, eat something. But it's always mom who's the last one to sit down. I also think about my dad growing up. I always wondered why dad liked uh, the back of the chicken and the neck. You know, back in the days when we used to cut up the chicken before we fried it, now it comes in packages of legs or thighs and, and all in pieces. In those days, we used to cut up the chicken, and, and Dad, for some reason, liked the neck and the, and the back. Couldn't figure that out. Not much meat in the neck at all, but that's what he ate. 
I grew, you know, as I grew up, I, I figured it out. Uh, it, it's just those sacrificial lives. Now, we as a church are called to this kind of love, a sacrificial love, loving one another. Out, what, outside the biological family? Absolutely. We have a spiritual family that we're a part of, and we are to love those people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have identified in Jesus with a sacrificial love. Now, God has enabled us to love that way. God has enabled us to love that way. First of all, he's given us the motivation, right? Uh, he has sent his son into this world because of his love in order for him to sacrifice his life for our forgiveness and to be brought into relationship with him. John makes it clear. He said, oh, we've, we love because he first loved us. We are motivated to, lo to love, to that kind of love. But not only that, is because of what Jesus has done, God has given us his spirit. And we know that's one of, the, actually, the first thing that's listed in the fruit of the spirit by Paul. He says, it is love, joy, peace. That love is the first thing that's identified as the fruit that is a part of us. It's working within us. And it just doesn't happen. It's something that we as believers, our new reality in life, is we begin to put this kind of love in practice. Less and less of ourselves and more and more loving Jesus by loving others and those brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let, let me describe for you the, the topic that, that Paul actually brought up to the Corinthians. Uh, he, he began that verse 1 by saying, now about food sacrifice to idols. Let me, let me give you an idea of what's going on here. Corinth, the city of Corinth. Uh, we, we discussed uh, earlier uh, in another sermon how many people in different backgrounds were part of Corinth. Uh, definitely was a Roman city, but it also had Greeks and, and, and people from all over. Uh, Jews were, were predominantly in the city. And... and uh, uh, I, I tell you, it was not an a, a city of atheists at all. It was a city of a bunch of believers. There was a lot of believers in, in God's little g. Uh, there was emperor worship going on. There was uh, uh, gods uh, like, like uh, uh, Venus and, and Zeus and others. And there was a lot of uh, worship going on for those gods. Um, and one of the problems that they realized was as these people came into their new reality in Jesus, they were coming out of these, these uh, practices, these pagan practices, the sacrifices that they were making were to these other gods. So when they were making these changes, as, as someone came into our new reality, they began to think, well, we want to, uh, uh, we want to be honoring of God. So we, we want to make sure that, that what we're eating, what we're doing is going to be honoring of God. And therefore, they came to the place of thinking, well, we can't be purchasing meat that's been dedicated to idols. Here, let me tell you a little bit about the sacrifices. Animals, there's so, so much uh, sacrifices going on uh, concerning other gods and, and, and so many different places that uh, they would dedicate animals that were going to be slaughtered towards uh, those gods. And, and when they were uh, slaughtered and, and, and the meat was separated, uh, 
there would be meat, particular meat, going for sacrifices, for the actual sacrifices offered up to their gods. There was also meat that was set aside for uh, rituals, part of meals, celebration meals on behalf of those gods. There was also meat that was then taken to the market and sold. And it's this, this meat that they thought, wow, this, this was a, uh, an animal dedicated uh, for another god. How could we eat this meat? And I understand that. I, 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 it makes perfectly logical to me that, that I can't go buy a, a piece of meat, like uh, even that brisket or, or you know, T-bone steak or whatever, the roast, and, and bring it home and have it cooked up and, and in good conscience eat that meat because it was dedicated to another god. Now, we also know that the Corinthians at the time were very knowledgeable. And, and they, they had this understanding, especially in that area of freedom. And, and in this, they would be right. They, they knew that in Christ, they had a freedom from, freedom from sin. They had a freedom from laws, that, and they had a freedom from condemnation. And so they were partly right in saying, hey, everything is permissible. Everything, I could do uh, whatever uh, it was kind of the, the thought. Everything is permissible. But, uh, of course, last week we learned you can't do everything. You have to be holy. You have to be holy. You are holy people. So sexual immorality is out. You need to, to continue to live in home. But, but when it came to eating meat that was purchased in the, in the market, you know what? That's okay. Uh, they knew that, that it, was, it was dedicated to no God. There is no God. And, and, and really, they came to a relationship with the one and only true God. And so uh, there in their understanding, it's okay to go get that brisket and, and cut it up and eat it. And until you have a brother or sister who comes out of home where it was paganism all their lives, and they're struggling with the fact that meat is dedicated to another God. They couldn't do that. Here's what Paul, here, here's what Paul said in, in verse 13. He says, and, and this is kind of his conclusion. He says, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again. Did you hear that? Uh, basically, what Paul is saying is that his love, because of his love, he is going to sacrifice that freedom to eat whatever for the sake of others. And that's what love does. Love sacrifices our freedom as believers for the sake of others. We cannot uh, allow someone. We have to be concerned for those uh, others who are coming into Christ and what they're dealing with. You know that we're not dealing with, with meat. I don't know too many places that that feels like well, eating meat is bad. But there are some things. As I was growing up, that I you know even I you know uh, struggled with. You know what what is right, what is wrong. Uh, drinking alcohol. Uh, smoking a cigar, uh, uh, even dancing. I remember a group saying, oh, it's, you shouldn't be dancing and things like that. Well, freedom. There's a freedom. And, and there's a place where, oh, man, I'd like to have a glass of wine with, with a, a, a good steak or, or something like that. But what if I sit down with a brother or sister in Christ who was raised in a home where, man, drinking was prominent and it was destructive. Matter of fact, it was... It opened the world of demons. And those of you who've been around, those who are addicted to alcohol know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and therefore, uh, maybe there's a conviction to them that that's something they'll stay away with. Can I 
set aside and just say, man, I don't need that. I don't need that for the sake of my brother or sister in Christ. Love needs to be working within our congregation. It, it, it's not about just me. It's, it's not just about of my life and my wants and my desires and oh, my freedom, woo! It really is about loving my brother and sister in Christ and thinking, where are they and what is it they need to know and, and how can I love them and how can I encourage them in their faith and help them to grow? Sometimes it's putting away the things that, oh, I enjoy the, the freedom of. That's what Paul was doing. I just, just want to read as, as Paul gets to chapter 10. Uh, here, here's his concluding words. He says, I have... The to do anything that's the thinking that that could be puffed up amongst the corinthians he says i have the right to do anything and that, that but paul comes back and says but not everything is beneficial see i think love always thinks about what is beneficial he then says you had this idea of i have the right to do anything but not everything is constructive see love thinks of what is going to be building what is going to be constructive no one, he says this, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. That's where our hearts should go. Let me put the spotlight on another area here in these chapters. One more, one more area that I think is, is significant. Uh, matter of fact, uh, it, this comes into the place where, where the church gathers. A little hard because uh, right now we're gathering in our living rooms and we're doing this technically, but we're still gathering. But it's not the same, you know, to, to be in the physical presence. But Paul really is dealing with the gathering together. In that, he deals with the topic of, of uh, 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 let me see, socially appropriate behavior. You know, he deals with that, you know, what, what is going to be acceptable and, and, and we're going to be all on the same page. He also deals with communion. And here, here's the, uh, the Corinthians that are having difficulty with pride and immaturity, and they're coming into this. They even had trouble with uh, the communion at the time. And you can read this, and like in chapter, I think it's chapter 10 or 11, chapter 11, and, and they're greedy. And, and they're coming, they're hungry, and, and this was more of an elaborate meal than what we're about to share. Uh, there were people who, who would come hungry, and they would eat, and there would be people who had nothing. So they needed to be corrected about that. But the next, next thing in chapter, I, I believe it's chapter 12 that comes to, it talks about spiritual gifts. Imagine this happened in a church that God was gifting these new believers. And part of their new uh, reality too was that God was uh, gifting them with some, some wonderful gifts. He lists some of those in chapter 12. Uh, There's some of those who were prophesying, some of those who were doing miraculous signs and, and wonders. There were some who were speaking in tongues, some who were healing. Uh, so there were some of those very active in, in these uh, miraculous gifts. But Paul's concern was how those gifts were being used. We have an indication. Uh, I, I, I failed to say what the point is. Uh, and, and it's this fact that love... Uh, in, in this love, we are called to a love that builds, that, that grows and strengthens. Anyway, let me, let me move on. Uh, Paul identifies, I, I believe in this, uh, a problem amongst the Corinthians in their gifting. Could you imagine? Let's see. Their overall problem that we've already identified with is immaturity and pride. Now, 
God has gifted them, and I, I'm sure that they abused it. Here's, here's one indication. In verse 15, he says, Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not be for that reason. Stop being a part of the body. And, and if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Again, he's using the body as, as pointing out that every part of the body is representative of, of every individual who builds up that church. And we are all one body. So one saying, hey, because I don't have a certain gift or I'm, I, I don't have that, that gift that is, is uh, you know, so sensational or so spectacular, I'm really not a part of the body. So some people were feeling left out. On the other hand, in verse 21, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, hey, I don't need you. Or, uh, or the head cannot say to the feet, well, hey, listen, I'm more important than you. I don't need you feet. And so do you get the understanding? He said, man, sometimes we can be very proud of the gift that we've been given by God, or at least the Corinthians were, and they were thinking, well, you're not as important as I am. And you, see, you hear the problem? The, the focus in the church with all the giftedness and all their abilities was to say it is for the benefit of the body. And that every part, he makes the point of saying every member of that body of Christ is significant. I believe he comes to this. He, matter of fact, he, he, he comes to the great conclusion is that, man, you all are pursuing all these gifts and wanting all the gifts, and that's a good thing. Uh, that's going to be productive for the body. But, hey, I want you to desire uh, the greater gifts. I want you to be eager and, and desire the greater gifts. That's how he concludes chapter 12. And it enters into a chapter you're probably all familiar with, chapter 13. And, and, and at the end, he says, those gifts are love, faith, or, or faith, hope, and love. Those are the things. And the greatest of those is love. Here's how he begins chapter 13, the first three verses. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but not, have not love... I am only a resounding gong or a clean symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, these Corinthians, you know, they were all up and, and man, having something significant. And, and even, again, pride and immaturity was there. That Paul wanted them to know that no matter what gift they had, it meant nothing if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't done in love. What's the most important uh, part of, of a believer's life that we need to be you know, we need to be engaged in, and it is love. Remember the commandments, you know, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so in our new reality, we're come connected to Christ. In our new reality that we're now a part of the body, working together, living together, uh, and, and, and growing together in Christ. And, and uh, uh, if he... he what, without whatever abilities or even giftedness that God gives us, we have the opportunity in love to build the body of Christ, 
to grow the body of Christ in order that we might fulfill what he desires for us to be doing. That's changing the world around us. That's inviting others to Christ. That's when we're going to be affected. I don't want to be a, a church full of gifted people who could do amazing things, who serve well, who give well, and do all kinds of wonderful things, and then lack love. Then we're just noise in the community. Now, we can't be that. It's got to begin in this area of loving, loving each other. Then we're going to be able to love the community around us. Hey, listen, it is a time for loving, isn't it? I mean, we're not together. How do you do that? We're, we're trying to find out. I think in the past few weeks, some of you are doing it real well. I, I love being con, uh, contacted. Hey, if there's anybody who needs anything, please let us know. Unfortunately, we haven't had a lot of calls saying, hey, we need this or that and, and help in certain areas. Community-wise, there's some stepping up. And we want to, we're, we're putting some things together we could let you know of how you could help within the community. Um, but, but what can you be doing? I, are you contacting some people? I know there's some people that, that you're closer to, uh, maybe you've been part of classes with or sitting next to a church. And, and I know a lot of that contacting is happening. Uh, but, but there are some folks in, in our congregation might not be receiving much of a call. I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. In this next week, I, I challenge you to make a couple phone calls, at least a couple phone calls, to some folks that that uh, you say hi to, but you know haven't made a phone call to, just uh, someone that you might be familiar with, and just call them and say, "Hey, uh, how are you doing? Uh, can I pray for you? Is how's your family?" And and just have a conversation. Uh, you know, is there anything I could do? and begin doing that. Uh, I tell you what, begin with this. Just pray, God, lead me to a couple people who just needs uh, attention this week. And and if, if a name doesn't come to mind, call the church. We've got a list we've been marking at and just checking and, and, and on a regular basis. So I encourage you. I challenge you to do that. Would you do that for me? I want to close with what we also read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And here's a point I want to make as well. When it comes to the definition of love that's laid out, that Paul lays out here, I've been asked, hey, use chapter 13 for our wedding. It's not a bad idea, but this chapter 13, this definition wasn't meant for people who are getting married and the kind of love. Although it's absolutely the kind of love you ought to have in marriage, this kind of love that Paul lays out in definition is the kind of love that you and I are called to. It is a perfect love. Here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, invitation we usually have is like right now. And again, man, can I be honest with you? I read that definition of love and I'm not there. I'm not there. 
I struggle with a, a love that is perfect, and I could definitely grow in that area. So in, in part, I could think of places where I need to do some repenting where my love was lacking. And, and uh, you know, I, I appeal to, I know a lot of you folks, and I think, man, there's, there's a love that I've seen that's evident in you, but I have a hard time thinking that anybody would feel any different than I do right now. I don't have that perfect love, and I need to pray. So for invitation today, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to just pray for each one of us. Uh, where we're lacking, Lord, oh, please forgive us. And where we need to grow in this love, Father, you've given us the motivation. You've given us your spirit. Help, it work, help that love to work in us. Let's do that right now. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you always for Jesus. He is that evidence of the love that you have for us. We praise you for the forgiveness we have. And right now, Lord, we ask your forgiveness where we're, act, where we're lacking in the love that you've called us to. We praise you, Father, that you've given us that motivation in Jesus. And we praise you, Father, for the spirit working in us. Uh, and we pray, Lord, to to put into action the love that we are capable of because your spirit indwells us. Help us to love. Help us, Lord, in those times where we are fearful and we're holding back. Help us, Lord, with boldness to step forward and maybe just ask those questions. How can I help or who can I call or or Lord, even, even that, that idea of what do I need to put away in order that I don't affect the life of, of my brother and sister in Christ? What, what freedom do I have that might be getting in the way of someone else's understanding and loving you? God, you're good to us, and we praise you every day, and we praise you for, for the forgiveness we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.